are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that, and like you, right now. So be encouraged. And let your light shine. shine. Okay, so you met Megan because she went to visit Grant. Right, she took her like Jess, a little trip. And with you met her, her in Florida. Yes. So it wasn't that wretched. No. Well, the experience <laughs> as a whole was not wretched, but the town was horribly wretched. All right. How long were you in Florida? Just over a year. Were you down there with Nate Wolford at all? Yeah, he lived with me. Him, me, and Grant. Was he in mechanic school too? Yeah, all three of us. It was wretched time for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> you should have been there. <laughs> it was a bad time for all of us. <laughs> all right. So you came home. Came home. Are you a lover of Columbiana? I am. Yes. You know what? I am. Yes. And I have been forever. Aww. I don't know why. I mean, everyone goes can't wait to get out of here and i go it always comes down to the people you know but i feel like i've been around enough places that i go it's all the same it's just who you know there's better people here oh yeah for sure yeah yeah all right what year was that no you don't remember no you don't get to ask me these questions i literally could not tell you when my children are born <laughs> oh boy <laughs> you know how old they are yeah I okay think. good so you met megan in florida how long did you date three years oh man two years maybe i don't know Megan. <laughs> but then we broke up. Oh, why? We have a lot of differences. Tell me about them. No. <laughs> We're completely different people. We are. Who broke up? Oh, I did. Because you're like, you're too different. Didn't see how we could manage a relationship in a healthy manner. And now that you've been married for 11 years? Oh, greatest decision ever. On but your end? We're still completely different. <laughs> yeah. Has it been 11 years? 12. And Saul is nine. nine. Amos is seven. And Evie is four. And are you having your fourth? Never. Megan wants one. She would love 20. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she would love 20 of them. They're so cute. Oh, I have the best looking you, children you do. in probably do. Ohio, if not further. I know. <laughs> and that's without plastic surgery. Let's let's prophesy. <laughs> not ever more children. A fourth no, child. Not, I'm leaving the church. I'm out. <laughs> All right. You're so trying you... to make me raise my voice right now. Okay, so... You came back sometime. You married Megan sometime after that. Yep. <laughs> You've been married for 12 years, three kids. What are all your occupations? Oh, What's man. Your first job. First job. I mean, if you consider newspaper delivery. Oh, yes. Did that. First real job. I was 14 working at Bo's Pet Shop. How long did you do that? Till I was 16. Oh, wow. Then I went to Pizza Hut, stayed there for a long time. And then there's a lot in between. At Cleveland, you were an apprentice. In a loose, in loosely. Loosely. Very, a very bad. Tattoo. What do you call that? Tattoo apprentice. Tattoo apprentice in Cleveland. Oh, you have apprentices. I don't like to claim that, but yes. <laughs> yeah. I like apprenticeship, by the way. I think the world should move towards that. It would be a much healthier world. Yeah. Yeah, I think if, if you want to be a doctor, then you should have to be a nurse's aide first. To see then, if you like it or you have the you, mannerism. Well, you it. have to put in the time to know what they're dealing with. Then yeah. you've got to move up to being a nurse. And then you got to move up, up, up. If you want to keep going, you can. If you want to stop where you are, you stop. 
the school system has screwed a lot of people yeah. over. Yeah, apprenticeships. apprenticeships. It's the way to go, but it doesn't make anyone money. Maybe people listen to the podcast. And... Then you were a motorcycle mechanic. Yeah, or you just went to school for. I that? went to school for it. I was a service manager for a year or two. Youngstown Cycle. Then I went to tattooing again. I was a commercial painter, and then I went back to tattooing, and that's where we're at now. Is that when you opened your shop after you were painting? Yeah. It's gentleman's tattoo. Yeah. What are your hobbies? I don't have time for hobbies. No hobbies. <laughs> because you have three children. I was going to say, I'm, you I'm looking business. forward to hobbies. Yeah. If you had time for hobbies, what would you do? Oh, geez, everything. Well, I think I would take up farming. I think that sounds like a lot of fun. I probably would give it up about three months later, but I feel like <laughs> I would really enjoy it for three months. Don't you flip houses? Not on purpose. But you're a flipper. Yeah. And you guys have flipped how many houses? Two or three. And you're in the your third that you redid. Right. Fourth, probably. Oh. <laughs> and you've been a part of the upper room since you've been born? Pretty much. Did you come back when you were married? Were you gone for this season? Cleveland. So the only time I probably left the church was Cleveland, Florida, and then I have a, a brief stint at Youngstown Metro Church for like a year whenever I moved back, a couple of years probably from Florida. What brought you back to Upper Room? Uh, leadership. Are you officially in charge of men's ministry? Officially, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, officially. <laughs> all right. You know the routine. He's listened to all of them. Yes, I have. <laughs> He's I got a good grasp of the flow. Do you have a just, name today? No. I thought about it, though, and I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> no. Do I have to be Beth today? I mean, Elizabeth and Catherine, there's so many ways, which is why it worked. <laughs> you could be Johnny. No, I hate. I hate. <laughs> I hate. Sure, sure. We were not going to spice this one up. What, you want to add new questions? I think we should just... Okay, have, what are they? I have generated a whole list of questions for you. Oh, see, this is what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> that are beyond the four. That's fine. We need to ask him lots of questions. Tell us what you think about that. You're not getting anything. <laughs> about what you think? I mean, we'll see. We'll okay. See. <laughs> we'll see. There's going to be a lot of long pauses. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Me talking about myself, this does not happen. I imagine you probably spend all day talking to people... I've been tattooed by you, and it's like, you're very good at asking questions to people. Because when I walk away, I'm always like, I didn't want to say all that. Exactly. And you're just like, you just keep bringing it out. Yeah. I would say, I'm good at bringing it out. I don't know if I just don't like talking about myself, or if I just never talk about myself, so I don't really know. How long have you owned your shop? We're going on, I think, nine years now. A long time. It's been a little bit. And you're an eight? Yes, if you want to refer to that witchery. <laughs> yes, I am an eight. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> At least that's what my sister and wife claim me as. You don't do that? No. <laughs> no. They've okay. typed you? Oh, yes. You didn't take the test, but you got a number anyway? Yeah. <laughs> yep. See, I'm going to Google right now. Supposedly, supposedly oh, I know what people an eight is. understand you better. I'm married to an eight. Are you? <laughs> we could be friends, I guess. <laughs> the challenger. Oh, I'm very much so a challenger, yeah. I'm more of a birth order kind of person. That okay. comes into play, yeah. Okay. I can get on board with that. <laughs> okay. Middle child. Middle child, first son. You like to stir the pot, as they say? Keep things... Yeah, I like to stir the pot as long as I'm not in the pot. Yeah. 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 I've seen that on your Facebook page. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was going to say. Which you, I've like, been... throw something out, and then you just sit back and watch. Yeah, yeah and you got to dip in every once in a while and just <laughs> stir it up a little bit more, but let everyone go wild it's around It's interesting. It. You know where the edge is, and you can stand and look over, but you want to keep everyone else moving that way. 
Oh, that sounds horrible. <laughs> but I guess so, yeah. yeah. That sounds really bad, but yeah. Or maybe I'm past the edge and I just don't want to admit it. And I just want people to come along with me. Oh, that sounds even there. worse. Oh my god! I think you like to watch them jump off the edge and you're still like... <laughs> it's comfortable out there. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's enjoyable sometimes. Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. This is Josh. And it's Liza. And this is Peter. <laughs> Peter Pan. <laughs> and Tinkerbell and yeah. Captain Hook. We can do Disney characters. Well, welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. You are on the right podcast. Kate is languishing in Florida today, which her brother calls wretched. <laughs> Yeah, but lately it's looking better and better by the day. But back in the day, it was wretched. And so we are honored to have Josh Osborne co-hosting the Shine Podcast with us today. So welcome, Josh. Thanks. This is my hosting debut. Yes. And if you missed Father's Day at church, Josh was the preacher. He was preaching guess, on Father's Day. So teacher. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Right? <laughs> So if you missed Father's Day, I hear Father's Day is like the lowest attended church day. Didn't feel like that to me. And then Mother's Day is the highest attended church day. Women love the church, you know? <laughs> Moms are like, please come to church with me. And dads are like, we're going fishing. We're I, I almost missed Father's Day, but since you were preaching, oh, I showed up. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So check out our Upper Room Fellowship podcast Sunday, June 20th, and you can hear Josh share about words. And we are honored to be with Jonathan David Perkins today. That's right. Oh, hello. <laughs> he so happily agreed to be on our podcast. I told Josh, this is not the guest you want for your debut. When I was a guest, first question I asked was, when's Jonathan going to do one? And I've been pushing it off. So Jonathan's been handpicked by Joshua to be our guest today. So thanks, Jonathan. No problem. Jonathan was born and raised in Columbiana. He is the middle child and the firstborn son of Dave and Jenny Perkins. And his sisters, who are a part of our fellowship, are Kate Holm, who is his older sister, and Hope Coulter, who is his baby sister. He was homeschooled through eighth grade went to Heartland Christian School for three years, 9, 10, 11. And then they said, don't come back. I was okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us why they said that. Here's the deal. I was never a bad kid, but I was a bad kid. You were a challenger. Yes. And they didn't like to be challenged. They did not at all. There was nothing that like I did that they were like, you can't come back. It was just all the little things that added up, and they said, it was probably not a good fit for you. So he went to Columbiana High School. And then I was like the best kid ever. His senior year, <laughs> he graduated as Columbiana Clippers. We have something in common. Go Clippers. He was a soccer player. After high school, he moved to Cleveland. He was a tattoo apprentice. He lived in a hotel, found a bunch of drunk people to come back to his hotel to practice on, yep. and learned so many skills in his Cleveland years. Went to Florida to motorcycle mechanic school, and that is where he met his wife, Megan, who was visiting his roommate because her sister was married. To my roommate, yes. To, yeah. He was there for a year and came back home to Columbiana which he loves. Yep. Been married to Megan for 12 years. They have three beautiful, amazing kids. He has been the owner and operator of Gentleman's Tattoo for over nine years, which he's currently doing. 
He was born and raised at the Upper Room Fellowship, and he is officially in charge of men's ministry at the Upper Room. Officially. I'm sorry, men. Nothing more has happened, but someday we'll get this kickstarted. This is the debut <laughs> of his men's ministry. <laughs> yeah, right here. <laughs> so welcome, Jonathan. Oh, thank you. Did I get everything right? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot in between there, but yeah, that sums it up pretty well. Of all those jobs, what was your favorite? You know what? It's the stupidest one, but it's probably just delivering pizzas, you know? No real responsibility. You get to interact with crazy people all <laughs> day long. Good tips. Yeah, and you made really good money back in the day. Fun coworkers. Just depends on the year. The day. <laughs> yeah, the, the day, the month, the year, but yeah. So tell us, Jonathan, who or what turned your light on? I thought we were going unscripted. I think people. I think people turned my light on. Same family, kids, wife. I just like people. I think that's good, though. I think people is kind of where it starts for you. But do you have like a specific person that you can go back to? Or do you have like a specific moment that you can remember? Is it something that you feel like you kind of grew up in the church? And if so, was there like a moment where it felt like it started to be like a choice you had to make? You like Josh Graham and just have the gift of faith. I was going to say, I feel like it was just something. I feel like nobody ever pressured me into going to church, you know, giving my life to the Lord. Or I feel like my parents did a really good job of raising me where it's just, this is still your life at the end of the day. Your mom taught you the Bible a lot. Oh, yeah. you guys, when you were homeschooled, that was a big part of what you were learning. For sure. I don't feel like there was ever like this defining moment in my life where it was like, now you're good. Did you ever have a moment where you felt like you walked away from God? Yes and no. I feel like God's been really faithful in my life to give me a little tap on the shoulder. I've lived a crazy life, and I look back and I go, how are you still alive, for one? And I go, how are you still a Christian, for two, <laughs> you know? But I feel like it's just been God just quietly like tapping my shoulder going, we've gone a little too far. Here's a little reminder. What have you seen him spare you from? Oh, I mean, horrible groups of people, tragic car accidents. I mean, you name it, I've probably been through it. And yeah, he's been faithful through it all. The horrible groups of people. Did he tap you on the shoulder and say, you can do better than this? I got something different. I've always kind of lived or like on the edge. That'll interest me because I like people and I right. usually tend towards the more miserable people and that puts you in miserable situations. And I feel like God's kind of almost had a barrier that he lets me see in, but I don't necessarily have to be a part of it. I love what you said about people. That's cool that it comes back to that on both ends of the spectrum because you say you've been surrounded by really cool people who have helped guide you like your parents and you talked about megan and then also just but you're still invested in people regardless did you feel like when you were growing up did you feel a label of uh, like a pk surprisingly no my parents did a very good job of that it was wonderful because i saw other pks and i was like Whoo! no i mean i can owe most of that to my mother she prays and she prays a lot I feel like she kind of let me live my life. I felt it from the church, but I never felt it from my family. So for those of you that don't know, Dave and Jenny were... They were at the beginning. Jonathan's father, Dave, was an elder at the Upper Room for several years, and his mom was a huge part of the church and involved in worship team and prayer ministry and women's ministry. And so they raised their kids in the church. Not a bad experience. Still at the Upper Room. 
still have room. You must. You say leadership is part of. I was part of that. A big part of that. It was lack of leadership at the other place that I was at. Okay, that kind of brought me back here. So this is going to be a little bit off script, as you said. Yeah, but he um, likes that. One of the things that I remember, you were still are several years older than me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're catching up, Josh. <laughs> just, just a year or two. But I remember, you know, when I mean, you're not that many years older than me. How old are you? Now listen. <laughs> okay, we're gonna go back to that. this. Okay, okay. I think I'm 38, or I will be 38. I'm not really sure. Okay, so you're not that many. Just a few. Yeah. But like when you're a kid, that's a lot. That's like a lifetime. Yeah. You know. Oh, so he's four years. All that to say, I remember kind of looking up to the older kids in the in the church, and I remember you going on a road trip with Sean. I yep. believe. How long was that road trip? It was like two or three months. I remember thinking that was the coolest thing ever. It was the coolest thing ever. Did you love that? I would have done it forever. Were you in high school? Was it a summer trip or after high school? Um, I think it was like a year or two after, maybe three years after. That's like kind of that in-between time, I would say, where a lot of, I think a lot of kids are pressured into doing one thing or another. And did you feel like that was helpful in you know moving forward with your life? Or did you feel like when you were doing it, were you like, this is the greatest thing, I just want to keep doing this? Or, or were you inspired to do something? I think a lot of kids at that time, they're trying to find what path. Did you think that helped you, I guess, is what I'm trying to ask. I would say it definitely helped me find my path. I think I still don't know 100% what my path is. But yeah, it was very exciting, horrifying. <laughs> we literally planned this in like a month. Yeah. We both quit our jobs. Each had like four or 500 bucks to our name in cash. And we just left. How far did you get? Well, we left, and then about a week after, Sean's grandfather died. Hmm. So we came back for a couple of weeks, and then we left again. We headed south, and then west, and then we got to Arizona, Colorado, and then we had like the dumbest argument ever. And then we were both like, we just need to go home. <laughs> Pretty far. <laughs> did you ride home in silence? No, it wasn't that bad. But I mean, <laughs> we've always been besties. And I would say, I don't think we've ever had like an argument, a real argument. Yeah, we were just like, to salvage this relationship, we just got to go home. <laughs> That's big. I, I think at that point in my life, the farthest I'd driven was Philadelphia, probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were two dumb young guys and slept in a station wagon. And you're here to tell about it. <laughs> Surprisingly, yes. <laughs> Anything else about Jesus? How do you feel like the upper room specifically? Because you've been here a long time. How do you feel like that impacted your journey? Really good and really bad. From an outsider. Yeah. I feel like you enjoy community. Very much so. Like you do pool parties for the community. I mean, I think you enjoy that. So I just wondered how that has impacted your faith. Say I just have a whole bunch of bad things to say. <laughs> well, tell us about no, how it impacted you no, negatively. I'm to think about how you... No, because there's got to be some good in there. Well, let's start with the bad. No. No? You want to start with the good? I think we should learn from the bad. Yeah, for sure. If we're being honest, I feel like this is probably like in the past childhood high school years early adult years i brought my community to the church and then i had my community here i feel like this is probably the first time in life where i'm too busy to really have a community <laughs> would say that the upper room has been my community i don't like that answer you don't no i feel like a big part of the reason that i know that my family's involved in the community of the upper room is because you were part of that group. You and Megan were part of that group of like young married couples. And then Chris and Kate, I think, helped kind of make a spot for us. 
So I would say, I feel like you've been a part of that community for sure. But I think your answer is interesting because I think that's kind of what we're asked to do in a way is to make community outside of the church, you know. I think there's signs up. There were signs up at some point outside the parking oh, lot. Oh, yeah. Like, You're know, on your way to the harvest impacting fields or something. something. <laughs> 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 but I mean, I, I sound cliche, but I mean, you're fulfilling that, you know, like going out and making community outside of the church. You don't want to like be in a bubble. I think that's a good thing. I think it's interesting when I think about community at the upper room. I understand being busy, being a mom of three kids that are involved in lots of activities and or were, two of them are adults now, and working full-time outside of the house. But to me, it's like something about being able to show up on Sunday where maybe I haven't even talked to anybody for an entire week because it's go, 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 and you're here, you're there, you're at practices and games and driving around and work, and then it's like it's Sunday, but it still feels like a place that feels like home, even though I'm like, I didn't hang out with these people all week long, or I'm involved in the Shine Group ministry, and we meet on a monthly basis face to face, and we text and keep in contact. But I think there's something about, I think sometimes if we say, is your church your community? If you think, well, I don't hang out with people from church seven days a week, or six days a week, or five days, you know, even if you just come on Sundays, or maybe you're in a small group that meets once a week, it still feels like home and community where it's Sunday, I'm going to go to a place where people know me and recognize me and I feel safe. And I feel like it's a family. It's kind of like when you go to family dinner, and you don't see your family all week long, you know, your extended family, but you show up on Sunday, and you have lunch, and you have a meal together. And you're like, Oh, this is home. Yeah, this is Sunday. Does anything about coming to the upper room fill you up? Oh, yeah. I just, I think corporate worship is wonderful. I think the word is mm-hmm. wonderful. And then what led you to kind of take the lead on the men's ministry? It was weird. I was in the hospital for days on end. And this was another one of those God tapping me on the shoulder things. But I just felt like he was really calling me to get involved with men at the church. And I said, okay. I said, I don't know what that looks like. And then Literally two or three weeks later, Chris and Kate asked me if I would take over the men's ministry. Before they knew God tapped you on the shoulder? Yeah. this is, Yeah, I haven't told anyone that, so yeah. So, of course, I said yes, hesitantly. I would say, and men, me and men, I've never been like a guy's guy. I feel like life right now is very interesting. I run a shop that's nothing but men, going to be embarking on men's ministry. I was raised by a woman, two sisters in the house. I don't like sports. Good luck if you're trying to connect with me on that. I've so. golfed with you before. Yeah, but we're not taking... Well, I'm not taking it seriously. You are. I'm not. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun golfing with you. Oh, yeah. I mean, I will... If you said, hey, let's go play baseball or football, I'd be like, oh, Josh, you're on your own. If you want to go out and drive some electric golf carts and <laughs> swing some things, I'm down. But that's about as far as I go. Yeah, I think there's a lot of interest in that. I am going to start a golf league in the upper room. So that's what I'm talking about. Probably be it happened valley. here on the Shine podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Released today. So, Jonathan, tell us what lights you up. Josh, tell me what she's talking about. I don't. <laughs> what are you passionate about? I mean, you already kind of answered that. Yeah. With I'd... one word people. Yeah, I really do like people. I love all of them. The crazier, the better. If you're like a square, we're going to have a hard time. Which yeah. is fine. There's lots of people for you. Do you think you chose your business because you enjoy being with so many people? Or do you think you enjoy being with so many people? Because I really just wanted to see what the subculture was about. 
whenever I first got into it. It wasn't even necessarily like the artwork or anything like that for me. It was just, I felt like people, I mean, this was coming up on almost 20 years, but I felt like if you had a tattoo, you were like a different type of person back in the day. Now everyone has them, so tattoos are boring. Back in the day, I felt like I just wanted to see who they were, what they were about. What'd you find out on that journey? Back in the day, they were awesome. Today, I know I'm ruining my business right now, but <laughs> half of y'all are lame and you don't deserve one, but cool. What do you have to do to deserve a tattoo? Mm -hmm. You need to know your place in life. And what are you seeing? A lot of people that are just... Entitled, whiny, picky. You told me once that you like to do the real traditional tattoo. Is that still true? You know what? Change my style up every five or six years. The stuff I really like right now is like fine line. No one is going to know what we're talking about right now. This is pointless. <laughs> fine. <laughs> fine line cholo, I would say. Mexican fine line. Do you give advice when people come in for tattoos and you think they're making a bad decision? Well, at first, for probably the first 10 years, I thought I was like the tattoo police. You know, I felt like... You I'd... really don't want his name tattooed on you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I would try to talk people out of everything. But I think I've just gotten old and now I'm like, yeah, your boyfriend's name on your face is a great idea. Let's <laughs> let's do this and let's make it bigger. You know? Oh, that's a I, nightmare. Well, I listen, people are awesome and make bad decisions. And if you're into making bad decisions, we're going to make them big, you know? <laughs> Have you ever thought about extending your business on erasing tattoos that no, people made bad decisions about? No, no, that's the cool thing about tattoos. They're supposed to be forever. And these laser people can put it where the sun don't shine because it's just supposed to be forever. You got to live with your bad decisions. Can they remove them? Yes. Oh, I think you'd make a lot of money. I don't care about money. <laughs> Call it the bad decisions redeemed. No way. You're living with that sucker if it's up to me. So Cholo, that's like an artist? No. No. It's just like a style. Let's go with the puppy dog yeah. face. <laughs> I'm learning so much. <laughs> What is it that you are so intrigued about with people? I just love them. I don't know why. You love the misfits? Because you said if you're a square. Here's the deal. If you're trying to be something you're not, I have a hard time with that. No matter what side you're on. So you're into authenticity. Yeah. Do you feel like your go-to is being authentic with people? Yes and no. I would say I try to. In the church world, it's hard. But I would say in my everyday life, yeah. Why is it hard in the church world? Oh, because there's still the same old, still the judgy. Has that changed? No. Not at all? Are you kidding? I mean, I'm not saying everyone. I feel like I've been in the church for a long time. and It just changes form. You don't think people have learned to love better? Oh, I'm not saying there's not people in the church that love very well. There's amazing people in the church that love really well. Yeah, I don't know. You still see it. Did you ever experience that? That could be childhood like angst coming up from oh. living as a PK, though. Okay, also. talk to yeah. us about that. So you were judged. I don't want to say I was, oh, but okay. I was. You but, felt judged. Uh, no, no, I was. Judged, okay, you were but judged. It's okay. Because you felt like people had expectations of you and your behavior and what you did because your parents were leadership in the church? I mean, that or I'm just a young, rambunctious child running around a church and people think you should be doing, dressing, acting a certain way in a church. You don't feel like that's improved at all? By and large, at this church, probably, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever sat behind the cellar row <laughs> when the boys are home? Yes. 
<laughs> we love rambunctious. <laughs> They're good kids, though. <laughs> they are, but sometimes I feel bad for the people we sit behind. <laughs> so I've been wanting to ask this question. Uh-oh. I think I've been wanting to ask this question, not just in this podcast, but just I've been wanting to ask this question of you. You are a visionary with business. No. No? So should I not say visionary? Do I own a business? Yes. But you're always thinking of new ideas for business. Because I get bored really easily. So maybe not a visionary. You're ambitious with business? I do something, I accomplish it, and then it's on to something else. Well, you see him as a visionary. Yeah, I feel like there was a time at which you were moving every couple of months, and that's how the house flipping thing happened. Because you were bored in the moment at that house, and you were like, we need to do this again. You start a project, you finish it, and then you go, okay, I accomplished that. And then you go, what else can I do next? So I guess that's my question. A lot of people have ideas, like ideas for business or, or think of trying some new project or something like that. But you seem to be able to actually get it done. Do you feel like it's just because you have so many ideas and you don't accomplish more than half of them? Or are you just riven? <laughs> oh, to... <laughs> okay. no. First, first answer was correct. Yeah, there's always 20 things I would, I would love to be doing at any moment. Like farming. Next month, it'll be something else. I always say, like, if there was five of me, literally five of me, I could take over the world. Not that I'm trying to do that, but I just feel like I could. Like, if there was five of me, I could do There's anything. No stopping you. So what do you think the next thing on the horizon is going to be for you? I really hope it's nothing. Just being content? Yeah. That is probably, I imagine, a tough discipline for you. It is. I'm trying to get to a place where it's always something. You know, you need a bigger house, you need a new car, you need a new business, whatever. Just so you don't need a new wife. No, not at all. She's wonderful. <laughs> She's good. Her and the kids can stay. The rest has got to go. <laughs> Contentment. feel like I'm just trying to be content right now. I think that's good. And that's tough for a lot of people, me included. It's going to be the hardest one. That would change a lot of people, I think, if they could be content. Yeah. <laughs> what, what did you learn in the COVID season where we were shut down and you couldn't do what you normally do? That I hate the government. <laughs> COVID was great for me. It was good for the whole family. I realized how much my kids need me. What was it in that season that showed you that? I mean, just being around and interacting with them so much more than, you know, for an hour a day, you know, whenever they're in school. Yeah, it was good for my relationship. Nice little peek into Megan's life to see how crazy and chaotic it really is. I think I just learned I should be around more often. Don't need to work all the time. Is that what's driving the contentment thing? I feel like for the last, you know, few years, there has been so much between, you know, it's either been another kid, another house, another business, another, you know, something. Now it's like probably the only time where I've actually been able to go, do you really need this? You know, do you need right. this drama, stress in your life, you know? And most of the time the answer is no. I felt like that with COVID. You got to a place where you're like, what is absolutely necessary and what can you let go? Because you had to let go of so many things. You're like, okay, what's absolutely necessary? And then when we get to the season where you can start adding back in, it's easy to be like, oh, I'm just going to add everything back in. We're going to just start filling in where we left off. But it's like, wait a minute, do we really need to add this back in? Or can we leave it? Leave COVID as the excuse that died with COVID and not bring it back to life. That was hard transition. That's why it's difficult because I went from like being off for three months and then they literally gave us three days heads up that we were opening back up business-wise for my industry. I didn't even have time to like think about how we're going to transition. It was like straight back into the swing of things. And I still haven't figured it out. I think it shows a lot of wisdom, especially in the United States and 
and Chris talked about this recently in that Decluttered series. He talked about the culture of consumerism and how it's, you know, we're always driven to do more, get more. I think that's a, a tough discipline, an admirable goal to, to be content, to find contentment with where you are. You're um, loving to be in Columbiana, and that's a great place to start. People are always trying to get out of Ohio. It's the best, other than Florida and Texas right now. <laughs> Why Texas? They're free and open. Yeah, you do whatever you want in Texas. <laughs> I was just in Texas. I still find myself. Like I like Ohio. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, sometimes I'm at work, and I like leave my office, and I don't have a mask on. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't have a mask on. <laughs> And then I'm like, I don't have to have a mask on, but strange. I feel like I'm I'm breaking a law. I would say we have people all day long coming in the shop wearing masks. I'll yell at them as they're like coming in. <laughs> Are you sick? <laughs> Take it off if you want to be here. So tell us, Jonathan, in this season of your life, how are you letting your light shine? Josh, can you <laughs> can you word this better, please? Listen, every other no. guy we have on this podcast is a guy, and they get these questions. I know. <laughs> I will begrudgingly this try to light answer of mine. Yeah, I'm going to let it shine. How are you letting your light shine? Well, I'm doing a very poor job of it right now. Why? Chaos of life, probably. Probably settle down a little bit. I try my darndest. Life's weird right now. Talk to us about fatherhood because you and Megan have three kids. They're in their prime, nine, seven, This is four. their prime? Yeah. Okay. This is like formative years, what you're pouring into oh, them right prime now. Oh, their lives. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's this assessment. Jacob called me one day. He's like, Mom, I, I took this assessment. I forget what it was called. You rate if you got these things and it's zero to 12 years old. Like after 12, it doesn't matter if you got that their formative lives of what you're pouring into them. You rated, the scale was, one, you got it from neither of your parents, two, you got it from your mom, three, you got it from your dad, four, you got it from both. And it was asking things like, did you feel heard? Did you feel valued? Were you taught? Were you played with? I don't know, there's like 10 things. And it's zero to 12. And literally, like after 12, it's like, See, that's rough that ship has sailed. Like, <laughs> we pretty much agreed Megan was going to take zero to 12. And I was going to take 13 to 18. And we're working on it. <laughs> Talk to us about fatherhood. Fatherhood I'm... is amazing. I love my children. They're all amazingly different, great and horrible. And you noticed when you were home that they needed you. Yeah, I feel like sometimes you just got to talk to your dad, you know, spending time with him. I would say I'm not good at playing. I don't like to play. If you ask me ever for board games or anything like that, it's You're not, not filling out an application for Christian Halford's board game for buddies. <laughs> oh, listen, I love that guy and I wish I liked board games because we would spend so much time together, but I despise card games, board <laughs> games, any, anything like that. Oh, bad. <laughs> How do you spend your time with your kids? I try to get them out of the house as much as possible. My daughter just likes to cuddle. Doesn't matter what we're doing. She just wants to be by my side. Solomon, that kid's down for anything outside. He's always begging to go fishing or ride his dirt bike. Amos, he just loves to game. Do you? No. Okay. <laughs> do you, <laughs> you game? pretend? My idea of gaming is like the original Nintendo where you pick up something for like 45 minutes and you set it down, there's no save button, there's no nothing, and you just have to get on with life. So yes, I game, 
but not in like a sense of like today's traditional idea of gaming where somebody will be like, oh my gosh, I got 45,000 hours logged into this. And I go, okay, well, <laughs> I'm not a gamer. <laughs> I might play like an hour every two weeks or something like that. So the question, how are you letting your light shine as a dad is an, is an obvious answer. I remember I mean, you jumping into Lake Erie, fully clothed, to swim with your kids. May or may not have happened. I but, happened. Okay. Josh <laughs> um, witnessed I have it. a pretty poor memory, but that, that <laughs> stayed with me. That sounds like something I would have no problem doing. <laughs> yeah. If there's a chance to kind of take it up another level, we're going to probably do it. So tell us about the season when you were in the hospital and you felt like God tapped you on the shoulder and called you to something. It was like the first time in a very long time where it was like five days of silence. No kids, no work, no wife, no pretty much nothing. You know, you'd have somebody stop in for like 20 minutes a day. I had time to focus. It was a good time. What was he I speaking wish I to could, you? I wish I could season. do it without, you know, the hospital stay. <laughs> that sounds really nice. That would probably be the highlight of it. So the other thing, kind of obvious answer, how you're letting your light shine is you have this business that brings people in all day, every day, in and out. There's lots of interaction. I've been there. It's a great place to like just hang out, honestly. Do you feel like, and not in a churchy way, but do you feel like you have an opportunity to let your light shine in your business and your interaction with people there? Yeah, I, I would say over the years, I have noticed people growing more and more introverted. I feel like over the years, the conversations kind of, I don't want to say dried up, but back in the day, you went and got a tattoo and it was like much more like one-on-one -on -one. now a cool thing to do you bring your friend you know it's like a party and it's horrible don't bring your friend leave him at home leave your boyfriend at home leave your dad at home it makes me sad over the years i feel like people have kind of become a lot more introverted i don't know if it's technology i don't know what it is but like the one-on-one -on -one interaction is way more difficult. I mean, I always throw out, uh, they're not scripted, like Beth's questions. But, you know, I, I'll throw out four or five teasers. And most of the time, it's just, eh, yeah. I was saying, if I don't get any response past those, I mean, it's as simple as like, uh, like, where'd you grow up? I mean, like anything. And they go, Columbia. No. So do you find yourself shutting down when they respond like that? Like yeah, you don't even was, bother? If you don't want to talk, I don't want to talk. No, I would say I feel like it's interesting that the movement in the last five years at the shop has been more just feeding into the guys that I work with. And before it was clientele, but I feel like it's turned more into just making sure everyone is on the right path, you know, making sure that everyone's not doing anything too stupid. So your yeah, reach may changed. not be as wide as it used to be. It's smaller, but you're going deeper because they're the guys that you are mentoring and pouring into and providing a business to, and you see them day in, day out. Yeah. You're able to be deeper than you meet somebody one time and you're with them for a few hours. Yeah, and I feel like we'll go back to the, the people. We're just going to talk trash on people today. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> I feel like back in the day, you could talk to somebody and you could actually have an open dialogue, even if what they're thinking is like wild. You could be like, hey, have you ever questioned that? Now you can't really do that where people like lose their minds. Sarcasm doesn't go far nowadays and real questions don't go far nowadays. Yeah, I would say I'd probably have turned inward and most of my focus goes to, yeah, the guys who are there. What is it that you try to instill in the guys that you're working with? 
I just want him to have a place that's like somewhat reliable, somewhat beneficially building their lives. I'd say probably just just love, you know, building that. Mm-hmm. I think you're a genuine person. I think there's not a lot of people who just want to be them. I think a lot of people try to be someone they're not, someone that's either in their head or someone that they know. I think it was in the book Blue Like Jazz. Great book. Read it. He said something like, if there was someone who just wanted to be them themselves, everyone would be just like that person. Your genuineness, I'm sure, draws people. So I, I've been to a couple restaurants with you. Do you feel like you enjoy making... <laughs> <laughs> Do you enjoy making people feel uncomfortable? Is that something that... I don't know if I'd <laughs> say, they say that I enjoy making people feel uncomfortable. Okay. I enjoy making people come out of their shell. And usually that sometimes is uncomfortable. I guess that's when you find a way to make people genuine in their responses. Yeah. And so, you know, just what you were talking about earlier with how you feel like people kind of keep it superficial. People don't want to be too genuine, you know, these days. And it does seem like that. I noticed that where I work. I have students. It just seems like it's hard to get to know someone. So I think going back to the question, letting your light shine, I think that you seem to have a gift for mentorship in that sense and that you're able to like draw the realness out of people i think that that's one of the things i enjoyed about being at your shop and i'm sure a lot of the people who come in and i'm sure the guys that go there really enjoy just the genuineness of it it feels that way when you're there i really enjoy being there i think that's challenging for a lot of people yeah i actually had a one-star review for that very reason. Oh, yeah. This, yeah, this girl said, you will either feel welcomed like you're at your own house, she's like, or you feel like complete outsider. She's like, the owner just walked around yelling at everyone the whole time. And I was like, I mean, that's true. But yes, if you would like to be a part, come on in. Yeah, I do. I think you let your light shine at home and at work. I attempt it. Okay, guys, talk to me about men's ministry. Men's ministry. Because I feel like even the term men's ministry could make some guys cringe. Yeah, well, guys don't like the church. And then you're asking them to participate in something they don't like. And it's extra time on top of church. But you guys both come to church. You choose to be at church. You bring your families to church. You're raising your kids at church. Me and Josh were weird dudes. <laughs> so you guys like it. We see the value in it. Okay. But yes, you don't do. like it? <laughs> <laughs> but you don't like it? I mean, no, not all the time. Okay, so yeah. talk to no, us about that. No, this is bad road to go down. Why? I want to know. I think that guys like to have things that they're working towards. I think that you want to see some result from your time spent. I don't know. I feel like I'm being pulled you know, a lot of different ways at, at home and then at work. And it's like, my time needs to be spent productively. Feel so like, we need more liturgy? I feel like, yeah. I feel like there's like, I don't know, John, do you feel that way? Quarantine, I didn't come to church. It was very hard to come back to church. But you did. Because it was time or because... Yeah, because your sister was no, like, just, where was, are you? It was, so, it was just so nice to have that time. a day off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My days off are Sunday and Monday. Sunday is, first half of day is filled with church. Yeah. Second half of the day is getting ready for school or whatever's going on Monday. And then Monday, it's taking kids to school or swim lessons or whatever. So there's no real day off throughout my week. It was really nice to have like a day off where nothing happened, you know, but we're back. With the lead on the men's ministry, 
Yeah. <laughs> Begrudgingly, I'm back. <laughs> hey, guys. Come to men's ministry. And Josh is and starting a golf league. <laughs> Do you have a vision for that? Would you like to see guys getting together and talking? Or would you like to see guys working on like a community project together or like serving the community in some way? I mean, I don't really care to see men used any more than they are used. Ooh, unpack that for us. Oh, I just feel like men, we'll just talk about it in the church, you know, the women have their groups and they do a book study or they do this or they do that. Men, it's always like, hey guys, we're going to build a house today. We're moving somebody. We're moving somebody. It's always, I mean, I get the camaraderie doing a project together. I get all of that, but it's also... You can come to my book club if you want. I would love nothing more than that. <laughs> We don't have a book club in case you were feeling left out, but I feel like most of the time in the church, whenever men are involved, it's work. It's more work. Oh. Yeah. And what would you oh. like to see? That's very interesting. I would like to see men building, growing their faith and building bonds and becoming healthy fathers, husbands. What has been a catalyst that has made you grow your faith? I am like on a very slight upward trajectory <laughs> that is very slight, but we are always moving in the right direction. Because I feel it takes a like lot to change. I, yes, it takes a lot to change. You always hope for like oh, you wake up one day and it's like woohoo, we're there. I mean, I think I think some guys really find value in serving someone through a project. For think, sure. Some guys find value in doing like a big event, yep. you know, one one big event. Like that's why there's men's rally in the valley. Yeah. You know? For you personally, where would you like to see, and how would you like to see that for the men? I still want to see all of that. I mean, yeah. I still want to see the projects happening. I still want to see rally in the valley. You know, I don't feel like there's anything to like build up the heart where you'd want and need to be to be a blessing in that area and not begrudgingly be there. And don't get me wrong. There's a lot of guys at this church that love doing projects or love sports or golfing or whatever. And I, I just want to find all the little groups and kind of put them together to make them useful for everyone. Yeah. So really meeting guys where they are. So the sports group or the study group or the project group. Yeah. I would say I would like to build smaller groups within the whole to see where men, which men will shine in what area? <laughs> shine, shine, you know? shine. Because we're all different. So how do you, you guys are both in the midst of chaos, chaos with yeah. kids and marriage. And what is it that makes you a better husband than you were on day one? The more you go through it and you just go, oh, well, I didn't act appropriately there. <laughs> we should probably change some things. Yeah. I feel like that's, for me, the harder time, the better. I come out the other side and I go, okay, I made some bad decisions. We need to change some things up, if we're being honest. Didn't handle that well. What about you? Jonathan's being interviewed right now. <laughs> Sorry. Josh, let's hear a little diddle. I'm interviewing the men of the church tonight. <laughs> Believe me, Josh has a much better answer. We should probably listen to his Stress. answer. The crucible has changed me. We all get better by experience. I think that's true. I think you have to have the wisdom to learn from your experience, grow based on that, learn from your past mistakes. First, you have to acknowledge that you made a mistake. That takes being honest with yourself and some character, but then making the decision to change based on knowing that you made that mistake. Yeah. I do think that there's something valuable in mentorship. Community seems to be a big word in our church. I think that that's really valuable for men, you know, whether they recognize it or not. I think the toughest part is 
I feel like I don't have enough time to commit to my family. Yeah. And I wish I had more all the time. So to take time away to make myself a better dad while not being with my family would be hard. I think that's where you come into some conflict there. Because I would like there to be more of me to be able to... Like five of you? (laughs) (laughs) So you can change the world? world. (laughs) But I think that's where the big problem for a lot of guys comes is that... You just feel like you're not with your family enough and you want to be a better dad. But to do that, you need to spend more time with your family, taking time to be somewhere else. That's a hard trade-off. Yep. It's hard to justify that in my mind. Good answer, Josh. That was a good one. <laughs> Did, didn't give you any, any answers. It just uh, raised more questions. How do you make that happen? Maybe a men's group where you could bring your family. No. That is not a men's group. I would say that sounds, <laughs> that sounds horrible. I agree. <laughs> So that wouldn't be a men's group. That would just be community. Yeah. I mean, I've enjoyed times when people have come over for workouts or whatever, or gone over to people's places, your family's there, and watching kids interact with each other. You're also picking up on how other people parent. I've learned from you. I've learned from Chris. I've learned from Josh Graham. I think that's helpful. That helps me grow as a dad. Oh, yeah. I have to ask the last question. That's right. Okay. Do you have some kind of a supernatural encounter that you would like to share about? Or you can go back to the old question four. Okay. Do you have anything that you would like to share? Are we talking about aliens or are we talking about like <laughs> close, so close encounters? Close encounters. Are we talking about like. Do you have any time where you feel like that tap on the shoulder that you were talking about earlier where you felt like it was especially strong? I feel like in my life, every major decision has been, and most minor ones, there's been so many. It's hard to pick out one. I wouldn't be married right now. I probably wouldn't have started a business. I mean, literally every major decision, I feel like God goes, okay, you're doing the wrong thing. Like I broke up with my wife and then the first time I saw her after two months, like I proposed. That was the first time I had seen her, talked to her and God was just like, hey, like I was sitting alone in my room, reading the Bible and like our entire relationship made sense in a second. I'd say that's probably the biggest one. Yeah, the next time I saw her, I so two months. bought a ring and asked her to marry me. So you guys had been broken up for about two months. She'll know the exact number, I'm sure. <laughs> That's fine. And then the first time you saw her after that. Yeah, okay. yeah I proposed. I That's said, a good story. Did she say yes right away? <laughs> I don't remember. I think it was a lot of shock. Yeah, she had no idea it was coming. Did she slug you? No, like we hadn't even talked right, okay, in like, good, th- listen, good. whenever I decide something, I just accept it as truth and we move on. So. This will be my wife. That's a great Well, no, story. I'm just saying whenever we broke up, I was like, I'm done. There's no reason to talk to this person anymore. Like, let's just move along. Then God tapped you on shoulder and, and changed your mind. said, hey, this is how it can all work out. I said, cool. Proposed. And now we're here. That was a great answer. Oh, Question thank number you. four. Thank you. You want to wrap it up? (laughs) (laughs) Do you have to say some weird spiel? Wrap up. You do that really well, Mel. (laughs) I agree with Josh. You do that very well. I haven't even heard one of our podcasts. (laughs) I listen to one or two, yes. So wrapping it up, I'm speaking about him. Uh, well, not him just personally. Just tell him how great I am. You yeah. are the you know, best, uh, Jonathan. Yeah, like, just about really butter me up right now. Some of the things that he said that the people listening may identify with or struggle with, maybe, maybe you should tell a little bit about what it looks like when you hear God tapping on your shoulder. Because I think sometimes when people hear, oh, I heard God say this to me, and they're like, I've never heard God audibly. They don't know what that means. Yeah. I wanted to ask about that because you mentioned that you were reading your Bible and you felt like, so in those moments when you felt like God's been tapping you on the shoulder, do you feel like you've had to go out of your way to be intentionally listening for that? Or do you think he just comes through? 
Oh, uh, uh, it's both. Okay. It'll be, I wouldn't say like... It's the audible voice of God. No, for me, it's just immediate clarity on whatever I'm dealing with. Or it's usually way outside of my thought process. I attribute that to God revealing that to me. But you have to be humble enough to listen. Even if it's not what you want to hear. Wow. Take it away, Beth. <laughs> I want Josh to oh do it. Oh my God, Jeez Louise. <laughs> I'm going to make an attempt. This We've covered great. a lot of ground today. Yeah, I think we can just shut it down. <laughs> but I think we'll just <laughs> shut it down. That's <laughs> not how we do it. <laughs> I think there's a new way of doing things around here. I think after all the ground we've covered, I think that if I could go back to just a couple main points. Let's do this. Authenticity with people is super yeah. important. and But you have to own it. You got to... I think whenever you were talking about like me being hard on people... I don't think I said that. Like, making them feel uncomfortable. Yeah, making them feel uncomfortable. Enjoy, enjoy bringing people out of <laughs> yeah, their shell. Like I like you said. bringing people out of their shell, and then I like getting them to own it. Them really being them, not just like it's me. Hi. So finding ways to be authentic at church—that's hard. That is a hard thing to do because I think it takes a lot of humility and honesty, being vulnerable, which I think is a hard thing to do. Yep. If you're only seeing someone once a week. Yeah, or you're a PK. Or you're a PK. It can be a hard thing to do. And then the other thing. I got I, a lot more issues with the church than I thought I did. This, tell, tell this is more. great. No, I like this. I have things to think about. I'm sorry for blowing up your thought process. <laughs> you had a really good run. Beth, you do yours and then I'll think about mine. <laughs> Something that I find fascinating that you said, Jonathan, was you felt judged from the church. I'm finding out that I still feel judged by the church after all these years today. This is How wild. about that? This, yeah, this is, is like Sosa like right therapy. here on. Yeah, we should, we should have like feel, a meeting once but a week feeling judged by the church and what you did with that is you turned around and I think you embraced a community that people judged and you made them feel welcomed and loved and like they had a place to belong correct and that is something that you even though it might have been uncomfortable for you to be in a situation where you felt judged or in the spotlight or people were looking at you and expecting you to behave a certain way that it turned you around and it made you a place that was safe for people yeah. and that your light is shining and you're able to touch a community that some people would say is untouchable because of your experience that you had in the church. Yeah, I'll take that. And probably we all have issues, but if you're out there listening and you feel like you've been judged or you haven't been accepted by the church community, sometimes we mix church up with Jesus and it's not the same thing. So oftentimes we are hurt by the church and we just throw out the baby with bathwater. But Jesus is really the one that's been with us, that is walking with us, loving us. And so... I think it's beautiful that you're able to keep Jesus in your experience outside of the church and reach out to people that need Jesus that the church may not welcome. And stick with the church, even though there's lots of obvious imperfections. Tomfoolery going on sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But stick with it and be okay with that and continue to move forward with it. I do remember where I was going with the, the authenticity. And one of the things that you had, had talked about was just being content, making that a pursuit. I think that's a really tough discipline to master. Hearing you say that, you do genuinely love to start new things, get into new things, and yet still finding or realizing that you need to be content in the moment and just be with your kids, be there for your family. I think is something that a lot of guys struggle with, balancing that and realizing that it's okay to just lay some of that down. You're going to be a better person for it. Thanks, Josh. Yeah. 
Well, Jonathan, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Josh, it's been great to have you as a co-host. So. The best, Josh. Oh, the My best. sister was sitting in that seat last time. She did not do <laughs> half a good job as you did. I'm over here sweating. Kate, I still love you, but Josh is better at this. <laughs> That's not true. It's been fun. Thanks for agreeing to do it, Jonathan. Yep. I'm sorry if I ruined your future as a podcaster. <laughs> we will make sure we have Josh back as a co-host and... Who knows? Next time Jonathan's on, you'll hear the, all the highlights about the men's ministry that's coming up. So stay tuned and tune in next week for another special guest. Bye. 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 <laughs> you want to say bye with us? No. <laughs> no, I'm good. I did. I did one. I didn't mind. Did you? Yeah. All three of you? All, all three yeah, of you us. You want to do it? No, no. Let's do it. No, I Real quick. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Oh, no. Oh, wait, no, I wait. thought you were going to do tune <laughs> okay. in next time right. for another exciting. Oh, gosh. So tune in next week for another special guest. Bye. Bye.